0: Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecai. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real-life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie-cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts, so you too can reach your goals using food, and most importantly, enjoy the process. All right, it is the first episode of 2024, and I'm sitting here with my dog, Grits. He's my co-host today, my muse, if you will. I'm looking over at him and he is yawning because he's been in the office all day and he's tired of hearing my voice, but that's too bad because we have a big topic to talk about. We are chatting about food guilt, feeling guilty about food, which if you're a woman born any time in the last, I don't know, hundred years you've probably experienced some level of food guilt or confusion or shame about your body eating decisions. So it's a never ending conversation. And it's constantly evolving. And in the light of body positivity movements, HAYS, which stands for health at every size, and intuitive eating, there is even more talk than ever about food guilt online and on social media platforms. And I'll say this is mostly a good thing. I mean, we've all grown up for generations with mixed signals about how and what to eat. And that causes a lot of us to spiral about every single food choice. That's no way to live. It flat out sucks. Something as simple as eating breakfast before your designated time or eating broccoli cooked in, God forbid, butter instead of ordering it steamed can trigger all sorts of disordered thoughts about food. And let's be honest, that's not ideal. Second-guessing every single thing we put or don't put in our mouth can make us loony. I've been there, and as a dietitian, I see a good chunk of my clients every day experiencing some level of food guilt. And actually, one client really inspired this podcast. I'll get to that shortly. But as with all nutrition and body image-related issues, everyone has a different background and starting point. There are women in very healthy bodies with overall nutritious diets making themselves sick over food guilt, both mentally and unfortunately physically. Their obsession with being perfect or thin or fitting into the same pair of pants they did in high school can lead to overexercising, yo-yo dieting, and restrictive food practices. If you've been through any of these things, you know how they rob you of the joy of everyday living. It's hard to go out with your partner or eat breakfast with your family when you are anxious about food. And when you're feeling guilty, that can lead into even more uncomfortable situations with food. Then there are people who come from other starting points. Uh, Maybe this is like uh, the woman who constantly makes poor food and exercise choices over and over and over and over again. She's not like the first woman who's almost eating too perfect that's not sustainable. This is the woman who is continuing to choose sugary cereal for breakfast instead of eggs and fruit, even though they are in her fridge. Uh, She eats ice cream after dinner every single night, and she feels a sense of culpability when she feels sick and tired or uncomfortable afterwards. It's kind of a lingering feeling of... Ugh, why did I eat that again? And our self-talk can go in a lot of different directions. Only you know where your self-talk goes. For some, it might be, okay, tomorrow's a new day, I'll pick right back up where I left off. That's a pretty positive way to think about it. But for a lot of people, it tends to go in a way more negative route, such as, I'm a bad person for eating ice cream, I'm such a loser, I'm such a fat pig. Like, it can get really ugly inside our own heads even though we would not say that to our friends and family who ate ice cream after dinner, but we will say it to ourselves. And we all know that shaming, or maybe we don't all know this, but I know that shaming someone into making a better food choice, whether it's somebody else or ourselves, is not as effective as loving ourselves into better food choices. Is that cheesy? I think I'm cheesy for saying that. I digress. So my job as a dietitian is to identify what a person's perspective is about food. Are they feeling guilty? Are they feeling just uneasy? Or are they feeling deep-rooted shame about themselves and their body and blaming it on their food choices? And then if we come from all these different scenarios, if two women with very different eating practices are both feeling body shame, it's not as simple as just saying, stop feeling guilty about food. Both of them are going to need unique approaches to helping them feel better about who they are and let's face it, make better eating decisions. And making better eating decisions is a blanket term. What's better for me might not be better for you, which might not be better for your grandpa. In this episode, I'm going to more explore the nuance of food guilt, offer some different perspectives, get you thinking about things. It's a little bit of a sensitive topic and I'm using the messages I see on social media and what I hear from women in my practice to base this exploration on. There is overlap between what I see online and what women are telling me in the privacy of our office one-on-one, but let me tell you there are some differences. There is a cultural phenomenon going on and people are riding the wave for better or for worse. So I will offer a few suggestions in this episode because exploring food guilt is so individualized. I thought for this episode I'd do something a little bit different which is explain some different concepts, the differences between food guilt, food nudges, and food shame. And then I'm going to offer some journal prompts to better help you explore your relationship with food. So you can listen to this podcast wherever you are, whatever you're doing. But towards the end, I'll introduce journal prompts. You can pause and revisit the podcast when you have a pen and paper. I really encourage you to write these things down. There is something about taking a pen to a piece of paper and just letting it flow where you can really get to know yourself better. You can also do this with a trusted friend or partner and have these discussions. All right, guys, it is a brand new year, which means I don't want you guys using the same old yo-yo diet restrictive eating tactics to reach your goals in 2024. Whether you want to lose weight, build muscle, improve your diet, or even if you're utilizing a weight loss injection like Ozempic or Monjaro, you don't want to go too extreme in the very beginning of the year because often that means falling flat on your face and ending up right where you started sometime in February or March. I want you to be able to achieve your goals for the long haul and for a lot of people that sounds really overwhelming especially doing it on their own. So for over a decade, dietitians like me at Nutrition Awareness have been helping clients reject the quick fix diet mentality and reach their health goals the fun, non-restrictive, sustainable way. However, we noticed that a lot of our clients wanted a little extra support and love between sessions, especially when they were encountering those tricky situations like dining out vacations, work travel, on-the-go or on-the-fly eating decisions, and planning ahead. I call those test days. A lot of us can eat really healthy when we are in our normal routine, but when we're out in the real world, how do we stick to our goals? So at Nutrition Awareness, we wanted to provide some kind of support to help people who wanted a little extra accountability and more motivation during these test days. Thus, our Daily Accountability Program, DAP, or DAP, was born. DAP has become our signature coaching program for those who are ready to transform their relationship with food and their body, enhance their knowledge about the complex world of nutrition, and achieve their long-term goals, once and for all. Once you commit to DAP, you are signing up for 30 days of relentless support. That's right, we talk every day for 30 days. That way, no matter what situation you encounter, you're going to have your dietitian in your back pocket to help you make the best decisions based on your personalized eating and wellness plan. We also help you bust through old excuses that previously held you back. And push yourself to create lifelong healthy habits that you will maintain and sustain even after you graduate from coaching with DAP. With the help of your registered dietitian, you'll set targeted goals and take action day after day to get you from where you are now to where you want to be. Whether you need help with meal prepping and planning, accountability with eating healthy on the go or in the workplace, or cheerleader when you just don't feel like crushing your workout goals, DAP is for you. The first step of the daily accountability program is to apply. After reviewing your application, which I'm going to link in the show notes, your preferred dietitian, me, Megan, Serena, Allie, at Nutrition Awareness will reach out to schedule an initial consultation. During this one-hour virtual or in-person consultation, if you're local to Orlando, your dietitian will get to know your needs, struggles, and most importantly, your ultimate goals, your vision for what you want your health to look like. Together, we'll create a game plan of what you need to do and how to do it. Every recommendation from your dietitian is customized to you and your lifestyle. You're never talking to a robot, there's no automated response, you're talking to a real human who knows you and wants you to succeed. At the end of this session, we'll decide together if DAP is right for you. If you love that one session, you've got everything you need, then maybe our coaching ends there, or maybe you go towards a more traditional approach to coaching where we chat for 30 minutes every two to four weeks for a certain period of time, just to make sure that no matter what you do, you reach your goals. If you decide to do DAP, you and your dietitian will connect every single day for at least 30 days via audio, video, or text communication on our designated platform that is no cost for you to download. Anytime you need help or have a question, you can reach out to your dietitian on the platform and receive feedback from your dietitian within the same day. See, we make it really hard to fail. And if you're not willing to show up that day, we're just going to meet you halfway and make sure you do something to get you at least 1% closer to your goals. We are all about building healthy habits that will last you a lifetime. We want you to get results and sustain them and feel confident that you can sustain them even without us. If you want to apply, you need to visit nutritionawareness.com or visit the link below. I'm gonna give you the direct application to the DAP application. It'll take you about five to 10 minutes to fill out. It's very simple. And within 24 hours or one business day, a dietitian will reach out to you and help you get started on the next steps after reviewing your application and making sure you're a good fit. If you're not sure about DAP, but you want to explore our other coaching options, feel free to visit nutritionawareness.com backslash coaching to learn more. And of course, if you have questions, feel free to shoot us an email listed on our website or a direct message at Instagram. My client, let's just call her Trish. Trish inspired this episode. I'll give you a little backstory about Trish. I've been seeing her, I want to say seven or eight months. And over the past six months, she has lost over 20 pounds. Very healthy, very sustainable. It's been a real joy to watch her journey. And let me tell you, she's put the work in, but she makes it look easy. She is just one of those people who makes a healthy lifestyle look easy. And hey, I wish that was true for everyone, but uh, it can't be that true for everyone. On day one of our work together, Trish expressed to me, Uh, an inner conflict she had been battling over the past year and what made her hesitate to book an initial consult with me. She wanted to lose weight for a variety of reasons. She wanted to boost her energy. She wanted to get back into outdoor sports. She had a lot of hobbies that required her to get up and go outside and she wanted to feel confident in her clothes again. But she also felt guilty about wanting to lose weight as if it were, I don't know, some sin to want to change her body. And when we talked about why, it was because of the messages she was getting on social media. It sounded to me like she worked in a space and she had a lot of friends who were really progressive and all about loving their bodies and body positivity, perhaps even the idea that wanting to lose weight is fat shaming, which if you haven't heard that before, there are groups of people online who say that if you pursue weight loss, It is actually fat phobic because you are saying having body fat is wrong. Therefore, you're fat phobic. And I'm not going to get into that today. But uh, that is a a belief system out there. Maybe I'll get into it a little bit. I mean, my belief system is that everybody has body autonomy. And that if you as an individual want to lose body fat, and you want to change your body for hopefully better, not for worse, uh, my job is to help make sure you do it in a healthy way. And that's your body. That's your decision. I'm here to help guide you in the healthy direction. I don't see it as being fat phobic. Being fat phobic is pointing your finger at somebody who has body fat on them and saying something cruel and mean or discriminating against them because of their body or avoiding them because of their body. I don't think wanting to change your own body is fat phobic, but I probably just opened a can of worms I didn't want to open. Uh, not that's not the conversation for today maybe we'll make a podcast about fat phobia someday but Trish she let's go back to her she wanted to change her body and she felt guilty about that but then she was like battling her brain because she also felt guilty for how she had been treating her body over the past few years she had been in really great shape at one point and then just things happened. She got a little bit lazy and she noticed her Uber Eats and Postmate bills were getting higher and higher. And the big thing for her is that she was feeling hungover most weekends because she was a very social person. She went out to drink, she went out to eat, she lived her life. But every Saturday and Sunday morning, Trish would ditch her self-made commitment to go kayaking or hiking just to lay in bed and soak in her regret. And that behavior of skipping her workouts, skipping her activities because she was hungover, triggered a lot of negative self-talk. Not just about her body, but about her lifestyle. She felt pissed at herself because she envisioned this weekend of doing all the things and she did none of the things because of the night prior. She just wasn't 22 anymore. Her body couldn't take a lot of alcohol like it used to. So we had really identified here, it wasn't just her feeling bad about her body, it was feeling bad about her whole lifestyle and the consequences of her eating decisions. And then by putting on extra weight, she wasn't feeling very great about herself. And that is her decision. It's not my job or your job to tell her to feel a certain way about herself. We all have our own standards for how we should be living our life and how we should be looking. And that's all I'll say about that. And we talked about how it is her body and her body alone. So if she wants to make a change, my job's again to help her do the, the, the healthy way. And we were going to mitigate that guilt. So this podcast isn't about me saying all the different things that I went through with Trish because we've been working together for, I think we've had about 15 sessions together. And we decided on day one that we would change her expectations because it sounded like in the past her food guilt and her guilt about her body would trigger her to diet and yo-yo diet and that she didn't feel good about. So we set brand new expectations right out the gate. First of all, we were going to focus on her behavior changes and her food choices. So actions that helped her improve her relationship with food understanding that weight loss was likely a byproduct, but we would not be measuring her success on her, by her weight. We'd be measuring her success on her ability to set a goal, make a change, and stick to it. We focused on what to consume more of rather than what to restrict. So a simple example, we're going to eat more protein rather than setting goals around restricting sugar. And we talked about how to enjoy social social situations with less or no alcohol. In her situation, she started off alcohol-free and then over time integrated it back in once she felt a bit more comfortable. Now she's consuming way less than she had been. We wanted to also measure some non-body and food-related outcomes, including her willingness to get back outside. So if she made a goal to go kayaking and she did it, we tracked it. She measured her activity and her energy levels on a scale of 1 to 10. So energy started off at like a 4 out of 10. Towards the end, we got it closer to an 8 out of 9. I'm sorry, 8 or 9 out of 10. And also reported confidence in her clothes. Her key practices were very simple. We were going to practice portion control, planning ahead, actively choosing more protein and fiber-rich foods, and journaling about how food made her feel. Trish used the 80-20 rule and ensured at least 80 to 90% of the time, her choices fit the definition of healthy that she and I created in our work together. This looks different for everyone, but primarily across the board means the meal is gonna be high in protein, produce, complex carbs, and healthy fats. And that automatically means it's gonna be lower in refined carbs, sugar, saturated fats, and processed foods blanket statement but we had to find what healthy looked like for her so after about seven months i think that trish had locked in a healthy lifestyle like she had this she was making it look easy she'd come in with questions every session but it was more just for accountability and touch points i feel confident that if she wanted to quit sessions right now she would flourish because uh, when i could see from her food journals and her food logging making healthy balanced decisions didn't challenge her like it used to. I call her the portion control queen. She can just leave food behind and it's no big deal. Even during the holidays, she managed to stay in the 70-30 range, which means she made more room for sweets and alcohol and eating out because she was staying um, and with family, out of town, and she didn't have as much control. And because she lived a healthy lifestyle, I didn't care that she was only eating 70% balanced. She had been doing great and she made room for these kinds of occasions in her life without it you know, completely blowing her out of the water. So when we met up after the holidays, we were chatting about how it went. And she told me that, hey, it was my intent to eat more sweets than usual, but I didn't go overboard. How come I feel kind of eh about it? And I was like, eh? And she said, yeah, I feel eh. And I was like, let's put a word to this sound are you feeling guilty? And she said, sort of. This was an interesting light bulb for both of us because I'd never put a word on this before. I'd always just called it food guilt. But I wondered if she was really feeling guilt because she had experienced guilt in the past, which was waking up hungover, feeling awful about missing out on her full life, uh, not feeling confident in her clothes. I wondered if this was something different because Logically, Trish had no reason to feel guilty. She did nothing morally wrong, right? She didn't hurt somebody. She didn't steal anything. And by most of our standards, eating 70% of nutritious over the holidays is impressive. But something in her gut felt meh. When I asked her if this felt different than the guilt she had um, she had when she skipped out on her commitments to work out, or when she, I don't know, ordered in Postmates instead of cooking with groceries she purchased, she said, Yeah. This feels very different. It's a lot less extreme. Rather than being angry at myself for my decisions, it feels more like, and I thought, a nudge? And she said, yeah, it feels like a little nudge. And so this is what opens up this new concept for me called a food nudge. And if this was a blog, this next section's subtitle would be nudge versus guilt versus shame. It sounded to me like Trish was just experiencing a little reminder from her soul, from her brain, that eating more sweets and alcohol just didn't feel good. It didn't align with her healthy lifestyle and her body was just ready for her to go back to her healthy routine now that she was home. It wasn't guilt. It was simply a, hey, don't forget what you worked for. Let's get back to eating how we love to eat. And this feeling, this little nudge, was a gentle push for Trish to redirect, not restrict, redirect. So now she was home, she was back in a routine, her food nudge reminded her she felt better when she ate 80-20, that meant more of that good stuff and a little bit less of the sweets and processed foods. Her nudge did not scold her. It did not berate her. It did not encourage her to diet off the week or jump on the cardio machines to make up for Christmas cocktails. In fact, I actually had a very similar story with myself over the holidays. I was given so many baked goods and I found myself justifying how much I was eating because I'm pregnant. And it turns out that eating a lot of sugar, pregnant or not, feels kind of icky, uh, I felt just off, that same feeling that Trish had described, that meh feeling. So for me, was it shame, guilt, or a nudge? My internal dialogue gave me clues, and yours can too. In my mind, a nudge sounds like, Kate, you've had four cookies today, girlfriend. How about you just enjoy something else with protein and fiber instead, like yogurt and berries or a protein waffle? Cookies will be there tomorrow. Guilt, which is different than a food nudge. Guilt for me sounds like, oh, you've eaten so many bad foods today. You're going to gain too much unhealthy weight if you keep this up. You should stop eating cookies. And shame, which is different than guilt, feels like another cookie. You're disgusting. You're feeding your baby sugar poison, Red Dye 40. Ugh, oh, you're a terrible dietician. Can you hear the difference? A nudge is gentle, it's just a reminder that you're not in alignment with your healthy lifestyle or how you'd ideally like to eat. The best version of you, how is she eating? Your food nudge is nudging you back to that person. There's no judgment, belittlement, negative self-talk, and there is, key word here, no drive to try to make up any behavior. You're not trying to remorse your sins. You know, you ate a cookie and that's that. You don't need to go throw up. You don't need to do an excessive amount of cardio and you don't need to skip breakfast. It is a nudge. It is a thought. And then it's behind you. Guilt is a feeling you get when you did something wrong or perceived you did something wrong. So a food guilt experience might be eating a food that you labeled bad or cheating on a diet It caused you to feel um, guilty, which leads to low mood, anxiety, maybe low motivation to keep going. Maybe you're following a diet, let's just call it paleo, and you ate cheese, and then you feel really bad that you ate cheese, and eating paleo the next day sounds really daunting, because you're already messed up, and you screwed up, and that sucks. And that doesn't really get you anywhere. Nothing comes from food guilt, especially when it's unwarranted. But the difference of guilt and shame is that shame is a feeling you get when your whole self is wrong. And it may not be related to a specific behavior or an event, but oftentimes we attach our eating decisions to shame. So shame is saying you are bad for eating that, when guilt says you made a bad choice. Both guilt and shame might trigger a person to want to diet and restrict, and it probably is not gonna get you anywhere, but shame is evil. It's worse. It's like the next level. It's the lowest vibration on the vibration chart you don't get anywhere from shame you don't ascend to the better version of yourself when you feel shame that's why i hate all these oh, i don't hate them What's that's not a good word either i hate <laughs> let's be honest clearly my my soul is telling me i hate the people online who try to shame you into making better eating decisions they say you're lazy, get up, go move, go do something. I don't think that works long-term for a lot of people. It doesn't jive with me, and it doesn't jive with the type of women I work with. Shame is rooted in self-disgust, unworthiness, poor character. Shame is about you and not the decision. And it's so much harder to try to fix yourself than fix the behavior. So shame just keeps you in this spiral. Think about, I'm just going to use an example from this book I'm reading, it's called demon copperfield copperhead demon copperhead and it's a fiction novel and it's about this boy that grows up in the appalachia very low-income housing and he's getting messages from his environment that he is bad or not good and as the novel goes on a lot of his problems are rooted in these messages he got as a little kid that he is bad or good and so when it comes to food a lot of us get messages from either our household or from society Uh, culture at large from a significant other that we are unworthy, we are ugly, we are not pretty, we are not good enough unless we are thin or unless we are eating a certain way or unless we are perfect or are we successful. So that's the root of shame. And for women, a lot of times we feel ashamed about our body image and therefore we feel ashamed when we make an eating decision that we perceive to be contributing to poor body image. I'll put that in example terms. You might feel fat, you eat pizza, you associate pizza with gaining weight. You are a bad person for eating pizza because it's going against what you're trying to accomplish. That's shame. Guilt is I ate pizza, I feel bad about that choice. Nudge is you ate pizza, let's uh let's just eat a salad later, we'll feel a little bit better. Nudges, on the other hand, like I just said, they're, they're just reminders like a calendar alert on your phone to, I don't know, finally clean out your disorganized closet or call your grandma for the first time in weeks. Following a nudge leads to a better outcome. How my view might be controversial in the world of nutrition is that I want people to have nudges. I want people to have this little voice in their head that reminds them that they don't feel good when they make consecutive poor eating choices. And actually reminding themselves to pump the brakes or redirect can help them prevent snowballing into feelings of self-hatred and restrictive dieting practices, and also can get them to where they want to be or help them maintain where they've worked to be. They keep you on a consistent path of living your healthiest life without impeding on your mental health. Overall, they're neutral or positive reminders that promote a desired behavior, even if that takes a little bit of effort or discipline to follow through. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have a food nudge and make a choice that might not feel easy to make a better eating decision. Let's say that you go out to brunch and you have Eggs Benedict with a mimosa or two and you're feeling a little, eh, it was fun, but you know you don't wanna keep eating junk food the rest of the day, even if you're feeling lazy and want to order in pad thai with crab rangoons and a bunch of fried appetizers, you might need to do the hard thing, which is use the groceries in your fridge to make something healthy. So it's not a bad thing. It's a nudge. So my first question to those who struggle with food guilt, which do you think you experience the most? Nudges, guilt, or shame? If your answer is nudges, congrats. You are on a healthy path. And I'd love to hear your experiences, actually. If you are listening to this and you want to share, uh, I don't know, a light bulb that went off on your head, DM it to nutrition.awareness on Instagram. If the answer is shame, we have some deep-rooted work to do, my friend. This is more than just changing about what you eat. It's figuring out the link between your shame and body image and food choices. It's why do you like dislike? why do you dislike parts of yourself? Where do these come from? And how is food enforcing them? An example of a a person who struggled with food shame was my client, let's call her Heather. At our session, she cited very clear examples from her childhood of her mother making comments about her body and eating habits. Heather was an unplanned daughter, uh, which she told me on the first day, she had been thinking about this a lot. And she felt like her mom didn't love her as much as she loved her younger sisters, who she had later in life when she was married. And her younger sisters had different fathers, and these girls lived in smaller bodies. So Heather's brain made this association that she was less lovable because she was bigger than her sisters. Her sisters, who were thinner, got more love. Her mom, who criticized her. There's probably a lot of different reasons and dynamics and things going on in that household, but that was what Heather's brain made. So then when she comes into my office in her 60s, she had already gone through a ton of different yo-yo diets, she had picked apart her body, And of course the messages she got from culture only enforced this belief or this association she had made in her adolescence. So our work together included identifying the shameful thoughts and challenging their validity, taking the focus off losing weight and putting it onto building healthy habits. Uh, We used the 80-20 rule for that, which challenged her mother's narrative that after all these years still followed her. We also redefined which practices were good and bad. In fact, we didn't even use that language at all. We decided to think about which eating choices were balanced and nutritious, and the 80-20 rule made it so that 20% of the foods were not balanced and nutritious. Think of an apple versus apple pie. One is nutritious because it's full of nutrients. One is not because it is void of nutrients. An example of someone who felt food guilt, not shame, was my client, James. He's a 40-year-old business guy and a real estate mogul. He had felt really crappy when we first met because he had gone to the doctor and his A1C indicated he had prediabetes. He also had started working out with a trainer. They measured his body fat percentage and he was very uncomfortable with the number. It was 10% higher than his norm. And he was able to call himself right away. Uh, He said it's because he's been neglecting his health for the past decade and putting the priority on work. He told me that in hindsight, there was so much that he could have been doing and he regretted his decisions. But when we chatted, he also told me, Kate, I know how to eat healthy. I just chose not to. I'm successful in everything else I do. I know I can be successful in this. And I liked that. This told me he wasn't feeling ashamed about who he was. He clearly had a good self-esteem. He just was feeling guilty about his choices. When I asked him if he was motivated to make a change, He was like, hell yeah, I am tired of making poor decisions. I feel like crap and I know I'm better than this. He was regretful. He wasn't depreciating his character. He had internal drive and motivation. So my job was to help him do it the sustainable way because sometimes people like this can go balls to the wall and they get really excited when they're on a health kick just to see it fizzle out because it was too extreme. So we went slow and he lost weight over time and soon his guilt turned into little nudges because he created a healthy lifestyle. So in his case, he was feeling guilt, but we intercepted the guilt, turned it into nudges because we built sustainable, healthy goals that would not snowball into negative self-talk. The negative self-talk follows failures to meet high expectations that don't make sense. So as we wrap up today, I want to offer some next steps and journal prompts to people who might be struggling with food guilt or shame. First, I'm going to share some recommended reading. A non-negotiable for anyone feeling guilt or shame about their body, about their behaviors, about their actions. You need to listen to Brene Brown on her TED Talk on YouTube. I'm going to link her guilt shame article and if you're an overachiever get her book daring greatly she is the queen researcher of shame i love her she is my icon you will love her work too if you are very interested in personal development if you want to learn some of the core principles we teach at nutrition awareness so when you heard me talking about heather's 80 20 rule or trish how we focused on eating more of that good stuff Megan, the dietitian at Nutrition Awareness who works with me, she has revised her copy of The Optimized Life, a guide for nutrition, entrepreneurs, CEOs. It's incredible. You don't have to be a business owner to get a lot from that. Her her name is Megan Pachecai, and I am going to link her book in the show notes as well. It's a lot of our core values. A lot of our clients will read that book either before they work with us, in tandem when they work with us, or they read it and they get everything they know. Here is the list of journal prompts I have for you if you struggle with food guilt. I will say you're going to get the most out of these if you work with one of our dietitians. We'll do deep dives into why you're feeling guilty and ashamed. We're going to help you also take calculated and supported steps into resolving some of this guilt and shame if you've been experiencing food nudges we'll also help you lean into them and make progress without restrictive dieting so these journal prompts are going to give you some insight into what you should do next is it reading more is it working with a dietitian could be working with a therapist i have recommendations for virtual and in-person therapists here in orlando who can help you with these things if you need to shoot me a message on nutrition.awareness, Instagram. Okay, here are the food prompts. You can pause and revisit here or just go for it. Number one, think of the last unhealthy meal or food you ate. For example, uh, I'm gonna use pizza. So tell me which one applies to you more. A, I recognized when I ate pizza, but I did not dwell on it. B, I felt uneasy or bad after eating pizza. I could not stop thinking about it or c i am a failure for eating the pizza i punished myself afterwards either with negative self-talk or restrictive eating a best measures a food nudge b best encapsulates food guilt and c food shame journal prompt two which eating behaviors choices or habits make you feel negatively about food Journal prompt three, which eating behaviors, choices or habits make you feel negatively about yourself, your body or who you are? Journal prompt four, which negative beliefs about food are causing you to feel guilty or ashamed? Examples could be carbs are fattening, sugar is toxic. In my office, I would help you with number four and I'd also help you with prompt number five. You can answer it if you're ready. It's, how can you let go of these negative beliefs and replace them with positive ones that help you feel better about yourself and food? An example would be, instead of carbs are bad, how can plant-based fibers help you feel more full, improve your digestion, and make a meal satisfying? We're redefining what food means. So, changing those negative thoughts into positive or even neutral ones can make a huge difference. So, I hope you enjoyed this exploration of food guilt, food shame, and food nudges. I hope you learned something, got something. I can't encourage you enough to reach out to a therapist, reach out to one of our dietitians, and chat with us. We can help you really understand why you eat the way you eat. What's keeping you from getting from A to B? improving your relationship with food and body. And if you've got results that you want to accomplish, if you want to get your blood sugars down, if you want to lose fat, whether you're on a weight loss uh, injection or you're doing it the old-fashioned way, we can help you with that too. Feel free to reach out to us. All of our website information is in the show notes below, nutritionawareness.com, or you can send us a message on our Instagram, nutrition.awareness. Thanks again, as always, for tuning in. It means the world to me, and I will see you later this year. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.